We did 15 minutes of candy corn themed content. <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, the world is in chaos right now. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind. They've been with us since the podcast was just an idea, and they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution, and we absolutely love partnering with them. So if you, dear listeners, are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should, by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. I was going to ask if you are pro-pumpkin or anti-pumpkin, because I feel like in the candy corn fandom, you also are either pro or or anti-pumpkin. I didn't know that was a thing. Because not everyone loves candy corn. Well, no, that in and of itself is I'm pro both kinds of candy corn equally. However, I have sampled some of the flavored candy corn that have come out. There was a birthday cake one that looked really cool. Garbage. Yeah, I'm one of those. Too sweet. Yeah, yeah. So one bag a year, and then one year when I got the pumpkins, I had to hide them from myself, and found them like six months later with my baking stuff in the back of a cabinet, and Not felt like I it. won the lottery. <laughs> this Wait, is fine. what about chocolate tipped candy corn? You know, when like it's the same candy corn, but like the edge no. is just chocolate. That's a no go. Absolutely okay. not. Because no. it's not a real chocolate flavor. It's more like a Tootsie Roll flavor. It, and you're not Tootsie point. Roll. Like you yeah. made your own point. Tootsie Rolls are garbage. They should never have existed. All, but However, there is one kind of candy corn that I don't – I remember but haven't seen in a while where it's – you know, there's a pink tip and a purple tip and uh, – or not tip. The top is like these different colors and they have yeah. more like – fruity-esque flavors but i haven't seen them in a long time and they might not exist anymore slash maybe i made them up in the first place when i was young so well look if they do exist i like but that to me doesn't sound good yeah they were surprisingly good because i feel like the candy corn flavor is like like there's weird like there's like a little sesame oil or something in it let me look this up because i feel like i'm gonna get this wrong or you're not gonna believe me yeah Candy corn flavor. Have you had sesame oil? It's a very strong and not sweet flavor. Uh-huh. Like I use sesame oil a lot and it's delicious. I Don't get me wrong. There is sesame, sesame oil in some candy corns made of honey, gelatin, sesame oil, sugar, and salt. Yeah. And I think that's why I like it because it's like a little something that you quite can't put your finger on it. That makes the candies hard coating. Although the source reference here says according to USA Today. So I'm kind of like. Google, is there sesame in candy corn? Oh, my gosh. Do you want to know something? Uh, Vox has this chart. What is the right way to eat candy corn? 42% of people start with the narrow white end. 46% eat the whole piece at once. And 10% start with the wider yellow end. I am that small percent. I think wide end, and then you end with the little niblet of white. Oh, my gosh. Somebody asked on Cora, is candy corn made with bugs? There is sesame oil in freaking candy corn. <laughs> Not in every recipe. Only the good ones, the traditional ones, the ones that you're eating it you know and you're what? like, ah, yes, this is candy corn. I think this requires some research. Therefore, I will, for the sake of science, 
go to the drugstore after this and purchase a bag of candy corns to find out. Thank you. I thank you for doing that for me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I want to support your hypothesis. Oh man, I don't um, know, man. Listen, yeah, so freelancers or something. <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, the world is in chaos right now, and I think it's fine. Yeah, because things are breaking that probably needed to break, and I'm hoping that that leads to cool things happening soon. It's like. I had this peace lily that I couldn't keep alive. I'm really good at plants. My plants are happy. Yeah. But the, this peace lily. And my mom was like, hack that shit down. Cut it down. Destroy Decimate it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and man, they're doing great. Huh. They're like coming back to life. And I think that's kind of this moment here is like, you know, when you – don't listen to the subtle universal signals that you should be doing something different and you just keep going and then all of a sudden catastrophe happens and no. <laughs> it's like we tried kidding yeah we tried absolutely. to do this the nice way and you wouldn't listen here you go like the pile of shit is going straight on your head and you're gonna be buried in it right i kind of feel like that is some of what's happening underneath all the like tangible things that you can say that are actually happening regarding to B2B SaaS and the economy and all that. But I personally saw a friend today who was laid off and he's very good at, at his job. And he was the exact right person at the exact right time. He's a, you know, a growth marketer, his activities directly tied to revenue. Like that is his impact metric as you if you will and you know he's freaking out a little bit and i was like you're going to be fine you have so much companies need specifically you right now and there's a there are still freelancers agencies and consultants that aren't meeting the moment with their product they're still talking about content volume and only seo and they're trying to sort of shoehorn their service into the moment without actually changing it. Yeah. And the people who understand what this moment is and how simple it is and how short term you can be working right now, I think like they're doing fine. On the freelancer solopreneur side, I think a mental block might be, oh, I just got fired from one job. How could I find multiple clients? And I think that they're not realizing that the appetite is for folks to have this in a freelance solopreneur capacity rather than an in-house job. So it's actually easier, even though you think, oh, my God, I have to find three people to hire me instead of one person to hire me. How much more difficult will that be? I think they're not picking up on the fact that this moment, it's way more likely that you're going to get hired on by three companies in a freelancer solopreneur capacity than it is for you to get hired on one person at a, a full-time salary. Absolutely. And this was the case with one of my friends recently who said, I thought about consulting. It's interesting to me, but I don't like to network. Yeah. And because they're sitting across from me, they look at me as the example of I speak at conferences. I post on LinkedIn, co-host a podcast, not realizing that they you can utilize your network 
without networking in what I guess are perceived as traditional networking activities. Yeah. You and I were talking about this off the mic a minute ago, but I literally went to someone and I was like, you need me right now. I am the thing for you. Here's a proposal. Like here are the three things I am perfect at and like want to do and it can do for you. I mean, this is what I did. A woman I know from working at Animals was at Cisco. She reached out. She's really busy. So it was going kind of slow. And finally, I just emailed her and I was just like, hey, cut the shit. Like we need, we should work together. More than one way to skin a cat. And well, ever skin cats. Well, yeah, I hate that analogy. Yeah, I think it's just knowing what kind of business you are in and this idea that like the marketing that you've done for software companies or for B2B SaaS or for even agencies is not the same marketing that you need to do for your own business, right? And it could look completely different. And you could actually be an expert at the marketing that you do for B2B SaaS businesses, let's say, and not know how to market yourself. That doesn't make you a bad marketer. It just means that you have to like lean in and and learn that new skill set of like, hey, this is a new business. How would I go to market? Who are my clients? Who are my customers? How do I find them? How do I stay in touch with them? What resonates? What converts? It's the same thing that you would do on a larger scale. You just have to rethink it from the ground up. But I see a lot of freelancers, solopreneurs thinking that they need to build a full funnel marketing program in order to market themselves. They think they need brand building and they think they need content and saturation. And then they think they need these automated conversion flows and these like, you know, and you don't. You don't need that for the business that you're in. You might need it to learn how to do it for your clients, but you don't need that kind of same flow for your own solopreneur freelance business. No, that's one of those areas where I feel grateful for having run a company once is it helped me see I have the perspective and I think even it doesn't, you don't have to run a company to see this, right? Just being in an executive level role as a marketer. Common advice that I heard when I used to look for jobs was make a list of companies you want to work for first and see what they're hiring for, see who you know. I would take a similar approach to consulting if I were on the market, especially for folks who are in were in leadership roles. You get to choose now because I would like to think you got that far by showing results for your company and learning how to document how to speak to that. Yeah. Thus if you made a list of companies and looked at your network on LinkedIn, either they they are there or one to two people away is an introduction. Then you can go to those companies and say, hi, you, you need help with this. Or wasn't it you who was talking about, look, no, I think it was Alex. He was like looking at, even I, ding, 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 ding. Oh my God. He was, but he's like looking at jobs, looking at companies who are hiring for certain marketing roles. Yeah. And going and pitching them. Yeah. And if you can go as a consultant to a company hiring a marketer and say, listen, you don't need a full time person. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get in there and I'll do it for less than a full time salary and you'll be happier. And then if you want to hire me on full time eventually, maybe. But if you want to hire somebody else full time, you know, yeah. you at least try it out. One, you're not just saying I'm cheaper. You're saying here is exactly what you need. Because yeah. a lot of job descriptions, they, they're still putting the kitchen sink. 
They do. And And it's like, and I've been sitting with recruiters who are in-house recruiters as they're putting together these JDs. And they don't know what they're doing. Even if the marketing team is sure of what they need, by the time like the in-house recruiter writes the JD, it becomes word salad. Yeah. It's like they don't know what they're saying, which is yeah. fine. But I think my 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 drumbeat to every single CEO or founder, anyone I am talking to is, you don't need to do 75% of this. Yep. You need to do one thing, two things. And... I think that the fear-based response to uncertainty is to throw the kitchen sink at the problem. When you and I were, or I was just talking, ranting about this for my own business, it was like, why am I spending all this time posting on LinkedIn? Aside the fact from, I like it, right? I I do like to do that, but it's like, I go straight to so-and-so. I'm like, hey, I'm available. Just because people are getting fired or laid off, doesn't mean Fired. companies don't still, <laughs> yeah. But in the case of my friend, he's really good and no, they were like yeah, sad to lose him, right? Yeah. I'm just kidding. But like, I think that's leading folks to believe that n- there isn't work to be had. Yeah. And that is absolutely untrue. And I think, especially if you're not even an agency, if you're a solo person, that's a weird thing to say. Solo, dolo, casa. What's this, the Barbie what? one? The. Casa Dojo. Well, I don't know what you're Have saying. Have you not actually. seen Barbie? Um, I fell asleep during it. So, uh, Casa Dojo Mojo House. <laughs> no, Mojo Dojo Casa House. Dolo Dojo Casa. I've seen too many horror movies recently, correct? Yes. Yep. Are you like a Halloween comes around and you want to watch horror movies kind of person? I was never into horror movies because they were too scary until Alex and I started watching movies together. And it's totally fine now because I like, I just, he's like a giant person. And I'm just like, and now I've kind of gotten used to that. You are a small girl. (laughs) Yes. Big, big aura. I seem everyone. Do you know how many people I've met after uh, in real life after reading them on video who who say, "I thought you would be taller." Yeah, yeah. No, like, you give off tall vibes for sure. It's because I'm loud and opinionated. Yeah, but uh, what are you like? You okay? We know that you're like basic pumpkin spice girl, right? We talked about that already. We know that. You know what? I like. I am not full blown pumpkin spice latte. I am like I want a latte with one pump of the pumpkin in it. Like I don't want to go full like the the like if you go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte, that's too much for me. But when I order a coffee nowadays, I will like I've switched when I make it from at home. I switch in the summertime. I use honey, and then in the fall, I use maple syrup. But there's like a like a specific transition point into the maple syrup latte point in my at home latte making. And we're past we're past honey. There's no more honey until the spring. Margaret, I yeah. love how you went like straight. I, I was just saying you. All I was saying was you're a basic white girl who likes pumpkin spice lattes and you're like specifically (laughs) this is the level to which i pumpkin spice latte for this period of time and with these accoutrements and then over here i'm like you just 
you didn't even have to say yes or no. Yeah. That was yeah. your full-blown yes. Yeah, but that's my full-blown you... yes. I definitely embrace seasonality. And do you watch? No. No horror movies? No. Um, I – so it's funny. I feel like growing up um, or like even in high school and college, I really liked watching like Law & Order SVU and like creepy stuff like that. And now that I'm like in a house – I feel like I just can't do it. Like if I have only like one or two means of egress in an apartment, I feel like I can do some kind of creepy, scary stuff. But in a in a home with windows all around and multiple multiple entry and exit points and like creakiness and stuff, I can't do it. Also, I love how you think Law and Order SVU is creepy. Well, what I'm saying like, is like also like that is my boundary. real like, absolutely life no horror movies because Law and Order SVU is like my creepiness that I like kind of can't do anymore. Like I've I'm like that. Yes. That still I first established is... a new bar that was outside of what we were talking about to understand that I am very un horror movie. <laughs> Thrillers are interesting, right? Like that movie Get Out, like very interesting. Like I can I can handle a psychological thrill thriller but just like a slasher gory horror movie for no reason like saw just like no thank you hey i can't do that saw all those really really just gruesome for gruesome sake ones yeah i can't do either but i like i'm beginning to like horror movies in part because they're kind of they they're not that complex so it's almost like watching a light like i'll like make like, a so bracelet what kind of horror movies are you watching we just saw one Okay. Sun- mm. Okay. So we watched Insidious. There's no, like three I'm... movies in the Insidious. Or maybe there's that four. one about. It's like one of the many versions of the Upside Down. Like I'm learning the Upside Down is sort of a common theme yeah. in horrors where there's this other side that's yeah. bad. Yeah. And it mirrors the normal, the regular side. Yeah. I bad also really universe. like like funny scary movies so i will say the greatest halloween movie of all time and i do watch it once a year at least my sister and i both do is called the monster squad and i have showed this movie to it's solidified friendships because they come into it saying like what is this old and i'm like just wait and the first reaction is it so bad that it's good or what is the it's it's so good it's that it's good. Like the Goonies, okay. but for Halloween. Okay. And at some point, someone talks about a wolf dork. And yes, I know. It means they're talking about whether or not a werewolf has a penis. Yeah. It's amazing. And they're teenage boys. Like it's so funny. So anyway, that that is my I do enjoy that. Like that is my favorite Halloween movie of all time. But is it scary at all or is it really just like comedy? Not actually. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll see if you want to watch it with me. I would love to. Okay, y'all. That's a wrap. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. I mean, 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh my God, I'm chewing on the podcast. I'm so sorry. Do you have a little more empathy now for me? I should not even have snacks near me. That's the issue.
I didn't notice because it's so normal for people, for me, that you listen. Would be snacking. It's Halloween trail mix. There's candy corn, there's chocolate covered pretzels, there's peanuts. It's so good. 